Welcome to First Do No Harm with Massachusetts Citizens for Life board member and physician, Dr. Mark Rollo. This broadcast will focus on medical ethics from a Catholic perspective and address abortion, physician-assisted suicide, contraception, natural family planning, IVF, healthcare proxy, and other topics. Please be advised that this show may not be appropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to First Do No Harm, a show about medical ethics from a Catholic perspective. I'm Dr. Mark Rollo. We end this opinion where it began. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. The judgment of the Fifth Circuit is reversed, and the case is remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. It is so ordered. So ends the leaked Supreme Court of the United States Dobbs v. Jackson decision regarding the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade. The draft opinion was authored by Justice Samuel Alito and, please God, the official opinion will read the same way when it is soon released. Today you will hear part three of my interview with Terry Beatley, who is the author of the book, What If We've Been Wrong? Keeping My Promise to America's Abortion King. Terry Beatley was the last person to interview the abortion king, Dr. Bernard Nathanson, before he passed away from cancer in 2011. Her promise to Dr. Nathanson was to spread the message to America about how he deceived the nation regarding abortion, which ultimately led to the infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. Terry promised Dr. Nathanson at his request that she would reveal his lies and those of abortion proponents until the campaign of deception was widely known or until Roe v. Wade was overturned. We are now on the verge of that promise being fulfilled. Terry Beatley is the founder of the Hosea Initiative, as described on her website, hosea4u.org, that's H-O-S-E-A, the numeral four, Y-O-U.org. Their mission is that by teaching the greatest unknown pro-life conversion story of all time, Hosea Initiative showcases God's divine mercy to even the most egregious sinner who repents. It is the true story of Dr. Bernard Nathanson, a story of deceit and redemption, which can end abortion, heal broken hearts, and lead millions of people to receive the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. Jose Initiative responds generously to the commission given by Dr. Nathanson, the regretful co-founder of NARAL. 
who trained Planned Parenthood doctors in the early 1970s. Exploiting his authority as a physician, he became known as America's abortion king and keeper of the abortion keys. Science, however, changed his mind. He admitted to widespread deception, repented, and became a child of God. Ultimately, this atheist and abortionist became a pro-life warrior and was received into the Catholic Church at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City on the feast day of the Immaculate Conception in 1996. Before we continue, let us pray. For as stated by the U.S. Catholic bishops only with prayer, prayer that storms the heavens for justice and mercy, prayer that cleanses our hearts and souls, will the culture of death that surrounds us today be replaced with a culture of life. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 13 to 17 reads this way, Therefore put on the armor of God that you may be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to hold your ground. So stand fast with your loins girded in truth, clothed with righteousness as a breastplate and your feet shod in readiness for the gospel of peace. In all circumstances hold faith as a shield to quench all flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. O God, prepare us for the battle that lies ahead as we continue to fight against the culture of death. As depicted in Revelation 12, the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth, to devour her child when she gave birth. The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. They conquered him by the blood of of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. We beseech you for courage, O Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In an article which can be found at prweb.com, Harry Beatley described the eight-point strategy to deceive America. This eight-point strategy was discussed on this show last time. Here are excerpts from that article. The strategy Dr. Nathanson implemented was as follows. First, Dr. Nathanson admitted in an interview what he and Nayral knew to be true that an abortion kills an existing human being. Therefore, they framed the debate around 
choice to pivot away from the fact that Dr. Nathanson felt they were advocating for legal homicide, knowing full well that it was a baby and it was not the mother's body. Second, Dr. Nathanson, with the help of a public relations firm, invented many slogans reflecting the message, My Body, My Choice used to completely ignore and dehumanize the unborn child and focus solely on the woman. Third, they used the media which nursed on every word Dr. Nathanson spoke, for he was a medical doctor who pretended to have much authority on the matter of abortion. Eventually, he did have authority to speak on the matter, being personally responsible for the death of 75,000 babies, including two of his own. Fourth, claimed Nathanson, we aroused enough sympathy to sell our program of permissive abortion by fabricating the number of illegal abortions done annually in the United States. The actual figure was approaching 100,000, but the figure we gave to the media repeatedly was 1 million. Repeating the big lie often enough convinces the public. The number of women dying from illegal abortions was around 200 to 250 annually. The figure we constantly fed to the media was 10,000. Fifth, Dr. Nathanson told the media that 60% of Americans wanted abortion on demand legalized. Perry asked him where he got that statistic, and he said he pulled it out of thin air. Knowing that he needed to quote above 50% in order to sway public opinion. According to his book, The Abortion Papers, the real statistic was one-half of one percent of Americans wanted legalized abortion. Sixth, he repeated the lies in the media. As you well know, if a lie is repeated often enough, it begins to sound like the truth. Seventh, Dr. Nathanson justified his demand by claiming that women who want abortions are going to procure them whether they are legal or not. As soon as abortion was decriminalized in 1970, under the lie that it's not a baby, just a clump of cells, New York's abortion numbers skyrocketed to close to 250,000. After Roe v. Wade in 1973, abortion spiked tenfold from under 100,000 per year to well over 1 million per year and has hovered there ever since. The eighth point was named the Catholic Strategy. Nayral knew that in order to secure and sustain an abortion law victory in New York, a significant portion of Catholic voters would have to be persuaded to support pro-abortion candidates, even if they did not like the idea of killing babies. Because of the nearly 2,000-year-old magisterium, 
declaring abortion to be an intrinsic evil, Nehrau was faced with a problem. How to convince enough Catholics to support abortion politically? So Dr. Nathanson and Lawrence later devised four tactics known as the Catholic strategy, which allowed them to use Catholics with great effect. Nathanson described it as the most brilliant political strategy of all time. And now here is part three of my conversation with Terry Beatley as she describes in detail from the mouth of Dr. Bernard Nathanson the Catholic strategy. I'll give very briefly an explanation of the Catholic strategy, and this is something we go into great detail about in our Liberated by Truth conferences, and we will do this when we come to Massachusetts. So all the listening audience rally the troops and have a huge Liberated by Truth conference in Massachusetts and set the captives free. The first thing, Lawrence Later, oh, that's where I was going with this too, is Lawrence Later being very politically savvy, um, he knew that they would have to trick and deceive enough Catholics to vote for pro-abortion candidates. So they mapped out this plan. The first one was they didn't have to go after every Catholic Mm -hmm. in order to blame and accuse. They just needed a point man of opposition, and that point man were the bishops. So they would blame the bishops, and they blame any local priest any time a woman died due to complications of illegal abortion, or if she was maimed, it was all the cardinals, the bishops, the clergymen's fault. And they targeted Catholic uh, religious leaders relentlessly. I mean, it was constantly, they were so hyper-focused, and their goal was to shut the mouth of any outspoken Catholic bishop or priest, okay? And, and they didn't succeed in all of them, but Nathanson writes about it. They were shocked at how quiet Mother yeah. Church was. Yeah. Um, and and they, they really used that. And he wrote, um, um, this is a quote, the anti-Catholic tactic was central to the maintenance of unity within the high command of the movement. Mm. These are very Marxist-Communist words here, right? Mm-hmm. In providing a palpable, visible opposition it allowed those of us setting policy and devising a strategy to occupy ourselves with the enemy, the bishops. We were kept too busy to contemplate in any critical way the quintessential brutality of permissive abortion. There was always another bishop to denounce, another pastoral letter to be rebutted, Mm -hmm. another cardinal to excoriate. That was just tactic number one. By the way, they called the Catholic strategy the keystone of the abortion revolution, the keystone. Mm -hmm. And everybody knows that if you remove the keystone, let's say it's on a bridge, that keystone, try to walk across it, it's going to collapse. And so I've committed myself to this as now a Catholic revert, Mm -hmm. that my goal is to make sure every American Catholic knows all about Dr. Bernard Nathanson's Catholic strategy, because this is the keystone. Abortion in this country is no more when millions of Catholics, particularly those in the mushy middle, Mm -hmm. the ones who don't feel good about abortion, but maybe they got mixed up because of all Dr. Nathanson's lies and strategy, if they would just repent and stop supporting these people in the voting booth, abortion is gone. Yeah, as you know, Catholics are 25% of the electorate, and uh, so... 
That's a lot of political power. And of course, we know that the gates of hell will not prevail. And uh, we we know how this uh, ends, but we've got to be we've got to be in the battle, as you say. And well, and we know how it ends, but we don't know when the end ultimately is. Yes. We have right now a nation, hopefully God willing to heal and to save. And so that goes back to Second Chronicles seven fourteen, where God says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways of supporting pro abortion candidates, mm-hmm. right? And the and the God's word says, then he will hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. Yes. This is my personal opinion, but I believe it's pretty founded, that God hasn't heard from heaven. So who? I remember when I was Protestant, I was thinking, well, who or what is God waiting to hear from? Well, mm-hmm. that'd be our Blessed Mother, the saints, the angels— uh, I don't know. Maybe Dr. Nathan said himself, I don't know, M- meaning on this particular issue. Yeah. Uh, but there haven't been enough people, God's people, Jews, and people who claim Christ as their Savior, mm-hmm. who have repented, who have turned from their wicked ways. Mm-hmm. Half of American Catholics voted to support pro-abortion candidates in 2020. Yes. That's shameful. Yeah, it really is. And so... So anyway, and the, the why behind it, it's because the Catholic strategy over the last 40 years has been so effective. So let, let's go over point number two, which is support and campaign mm-hmm. for Catholic pro-abortion candidates. That's what NARAL would do. So once a few Catholics began softening their position right. on abortion, right. NARAL, it didn't matter what political party they were a, a part of, be Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Purple Party, it made no difference yep. as long as that Catholic candidate was for abortion they would support and campaign for that person and then the third one which this is what most people have no clue of um, they would split and set catholics against each other mm-hmm. uh recognized that um john f kennedy yeah. he was the model modern enlightened 20th century catholic yeah. thinking for himself Hello, yeah, Massachusetts, right? Yes. We're well, this is for you. We're, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah we're well acquainted <laughs> with the Kennedys up here in Massachusetts. Oh, all right. Well, then, if you don't mind, I would like to go into this one a little bit more. In sure. Depth. Absolutely. I? Absolutely. Okay. And then everybody who hears your podcast from Massachusetts and beyond, share it. Yes. Mark this minute in the interview of mm-hmm. when we go over this strategy. Okay. The third part of the Catholic strategy was to split and set Catholics against each other. So they, this again, Lawrence later, you know, recognized that, yes, we got John F. Kennedy. He was the model American Catholic. He thinks for himself. He's made it known that he's not going to let his Catholic beliefs interfere with his yeah. public civic role. And they knew, they at NARAL knew that they could leverage this. So NARAL strategists recognized two categories of Catholic faithful, the well-educated, fashionable Kennedy Catholics, mm-hmm. you know, the real trendy, college-educated, you know what I'm saying. Right. And then the other ones, this is in the eyes of Dr. Nathanson and Lawrence Slater, the blue-collar, conservative Catholics, mm-hmm. only perhaps one generation removed from immigration, NARAL fueled the divisiveness within the Catholic Church. These are from these are the words of Dr. Nathanson, pitting liberal Catholics against conservative Catholics. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's what and, and that's then, what Marxists do, right? They yes, that's class a, warfare, race warfare, religious warfare, divide yes. and conquer. And look at that to your listening audience. They went so far as they even divided the Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. I don't even like to call the Catholic Church a denomination. You know, it's Mother Church. They yeah. divided the Catholic Church. And Nathanson wrote, here's his quote, as, um, as Nathanson recounted it, everything was in place, quote, for the portrayal of the Catholic Church as a political force, mm-hmm. for the use of anti-Catholicism as a political instrument, and for the manipulation of Catholics themselves by splitting them and setting them against each other. Yeah, it's diabolical. We have been played like fools and 63 million babies have been slaughtered yeah and it is time that we become enlightened and and god's going to do it i mean sometimes i get so worked up over this it's like god's been pushing it forward all the way to the day of december 1st Mm -hmm. and but the main thing is it's yes to learn all this but there's something greater in the story of Dr. Nathanson, and we'll cover that in just a second. But I just want to wrap up the the splitting and dividing. Nathanson also wrote, he said, let it be said, the church helped us in NARAL, the papal encyclical of Humana Vitae 1968, denying both abortion and contraception to Catholics, was a bonanza for for us at NARAL at precisely the correct moment in history. Mm -hmm. By linking abortion and contraception in the encyclical, the Vatican made it impossible for those Catholics who were using birth control, i.e., already being swallowed up by Margaret Sanger's worldview of birth control, it it made it impossible to split off the abortion issue, therefore leaving those people to pick their own way through the confusing ethical and theological landscape. Well, I remember people talking about, uh, speaking of dividing Catholics, they would say, well, if if you don't want abortion, then you have to be in favor of contraception because that'll prevent pregnancies which will prevent abortion which is all a myth and all a lie right and it was predicted by pope paul the sixth in his uh, encyclical and that uh, it it actually the more available contraception has been the more people quote needed the backup of abortion so so you could just add that to the to the pile of lies that we were uh, sold and and we're we're wading our way through the rubble, the, the, the aftermath, the destruction of the tsunami of Margaret Sanger, Alfred Kinsey, and Dr. Bernard Nathanson, mm-hmm. what, what they did to this nation. Nathanson, though, was the only one who came to Christ. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The fourth part was um, what your listeners may not know was that they gave it a name. But your listeners are going to know what this is. Mm-hmm. So they called it the straddle. Oh, so yes. Knew, yeah. Maybe you're talking and, about And it's very yeah. commonplace. Oh, yes. well, I'm personally against abortion. Yeah, personally so, opposed. Yeah, personally opposed. But who am I to you know, right. cast my beliefs onto other people? And it's like, to me, that's like the easiest thing to bust a Mack truck hole through, uh, which is, it may apply the same logic to slavery, for God's sake. Exactly. It's like, what Catholic would dare to think this way right. when it's synonymous with 
but but I understand because when you've got all of the media and they're repeating all these lies, mm-hmm. they're making it sound like women are dying in every back alley across America. Yeah. There's an epidemic. There are a million women a year. Oh my gosh, these women are just going to be felons. You know, let's just make it legal. You know, because it's not going to drive the demand up. Everything at the whole kit and caboodle was a lie. Yeah, was well, a lie. Well, yeah. and, and you know, you uh, you mentioned uh, uh, John Kennedy. But a bigger or more recent name that would ring in the heads of uh, people in Massachusetts was Ted Kennedy, and you know, the, yes. and he he was instrumental. He would always come out and say, like when when Robert Bork, you know, was was borked, and yes. uh, in the when he was the nominee for the Supreme Court, uh, nominated by Ronald Reagan. And he came out, you know, Catholic Kennedy came out with his lies and saying that um, he believed in in uh, forcing people into back alley abortions. As you were talking about the Catholic strategy, another person that came to mind was uh, Robert Drinan. And yes. uh, he was a representative in Massachusetts. In, in fact, I think it was, I'm not sure what district he uh, represented, but for, for many years, I think for eight years, Father Robert Drinan a Jesuit, Mm -hmm. was a pro-choice representative from Massachusetts. Talk about diabolical. Well, in chapter 14 of my book, it's, I I named the chapter boldly, The Few Perfidious Priests and the Catholic Strategy. Yes. And, And I open it up with a quote that I'd actually found from Patrick Madrid, so I want to give him credit for this. Uh, and th- this is what it says. There was an intentional, oh, because I was laying the stage for NARAL and the Catholic strategy. But even before NARAL orchestrated, masterminded the Catholic strategy, the way they were going to work it, the few perfidious priests had already met with the Kennedys. Mm. And what, what, what it says is there was an intentional, systematic, concerted effort on the part of a group of dissenting Catholic theologians and, and it lists a number of names, including Father Robert Drinan, yeah. who spent a good deal of time with the Kennedys in the mid-1960s employing bogus moral theology arguments to convince them that they could accept and promote abortion with a clear conscience. Amazing. Once this was accomplished, these same Judas priests undertook to literally coach the Kennedys on what to say and how to vote in favor of abortion in their public lives. Mm. Given the Kennedys' enormous influence over American politics, mm-hmm. it was diabolically logical for those dissenting Catholic theologians to have targeted this renowned and respected Catholic family for conversion. Just unbelievable. So, you know, John F. Kennedy didn't, uh, per se, have a chance to repent for, you know, his position, but Ted Kennedy did. Yeah. As he slowly died. And I cannot imagine what that must have been like for him to be giving account of what he had done yeah. and, uh, to our babies in yeah. this nation. Yeah, it's unbelievable. This concludes part three of my interview with Terry Beatley. Tune in next time for the fourth and final segment of my interview with Terry Beatley as she describes Dr. Bernard Nathanson's journey from radically pro-abortion to ardently pro-life, and from atheism to Catholicism. And until next time, remember, we should always treat life with care and respect, and at the very least, we should first do no harm.
First, do no harm with Dr. Mark Rollo is produced at WQPH 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg. We are very happy to share it with other networks. Thank you for tuning in to First Do No Harm. Dr. Rollo welcomes your questions and comments. You may contact him at markrollo978 at gmail.com. That's M-A-R-K-R-O-L-L-O 978 at gmail.com. Thank you, and until next week, remember, first, do no harm.